0: episode is a doozy because I have the Rhino. I have the Rhino on today's episode. And by Rhino, I mean Rhino Julie, who's a ball of energy, an amazing human being, one of our family members. And I am telling you right now that this episode is loaded with gold. We talk about the relationships and the one missing thing. We talk about how Julie lost $500,000 and then tried it again I talk about my integrity lessons that I learned as a child, how to protect yourself, and that self-care that provides clarity and runs your business. And then the one thing that I did to make Julie mad, even when she's the happiest person on the planet, and uh, we talk about all of that. But really, what I think is so important is when you listen to this episode with Julie, you find the undertow of resiliency that I've never heard, like her drive and her ability to think and to recreate when all things are against her is motivating, it's inspiring. And I took out personally five to 10 things that I implemented in my life and business right away. And this podcast, we recorded it at our event in Whitefish, Montana. And Julie was a speaker, and I'm probably gonna have her back again because nobody can replace that energy, and it was absolutely amazing. And we have another event coming up in October, and we have a few tickets left. And so if you have not gotten your event ticket, shoot me a DM on Instagram, and I will send you the link if there are any seats left by the time you hear this, and send me the message. But I want you to know that this episode is loaded with gold. This was recorded during our event, which was amazing. Well, it was on a break, we recorded it, but you know what I'm talking about. And this thing is just rock. talking about. So please go listen, listen to this resiliency, listen to the story, and my favorite part, listen to the crazy marketing machine that she created and the way that she got the media to cover this event is mind-blowing to me, and I only wish I was genius enough to use this tactic, but now I can use it. So we cover all of that and more in today's episode, so without further ado, let's cue the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? All right, everybody. Welcome back to another live episode, a live episode of the Mind of George show in Montana, just because we had a day off and we're like, let's just all record podcasts in person. So today I am stoked to be joined by the rhino herself. Like there's no better way to bring on this guest than to say that she is purely the rhino. She bleeds and oozes positivity, changes people's lives and built a business around her body and has succeeded at a massive scale With the best positivity, mindset, love, happiness, joy, and optimism of anybody I know. So, Julie, welcome to the show.
1: I'm so excited to be here. I remember when I interviewed you and I said, one day I'm going to be on the Mind of George show.
0: (laughs) This is that day. It is full circle. And it was quick, too. It wasn't long.
1: No, your podcast was really long with me.
0: Yeah, but no, it was. We got jokes. We got jokes. When did we do that interview?
1: That was last year. Okay. Yeah, late last year.
0: So we'll work on your manifestation skills. We'll get it faster next time. (laughs) I love it. So we're going to kick off the podcast in true fashion. And so I'm going to give everybody just a quick overview. So Julie uh, helps people transform their lives, basically, Uh, owns physical brick and mortar gyms in Vegas. And that comes with its own unique set of challenges and things. So I'm really excited to hear this answer. So when you look back at your entrepreneurial journey from what you were doing in the beginning and you started in entrepreneurship pretty young uh, to now where you are now, what is the biggest mistake that you made in business and what was the lesson that you took from it?
1: The biggest mistake? I thought you were going to ask biggest obstacle that I overcame. And so no, we I was did that ready yesterday. for that one. Oh, man. Biggest mistake? I've made so many. I love all my mistakes. I go 100% though for all the mistakes I make. Like I, I drive at them 100 miles an hour. But- So I wouldn't say that any of the mistakes I made, like I I wouldn't want to take them back. So Mm -hmm. let's just put that out in the universe. Totally, Because every single one taught me something, brought me to where I'm at today. But back before Spartan Racing and Tough Mudder and all of that was a thing, I was always obsessed with obstacle courses. And so way back in 2004, I started my fitness business with an obstacle course. And it's because I wanted to go join the military Because I hated exercise and I wanted a drill instructor to, like, make me work out so I could lose (laughs) weight because I was really fat. And so, anyways, fast forward, I wanted to put on an obstacle course race. And we finally did, like, one of the first Tough Mudders that came to the States. Mm -hmm. And... I was like, there's not enough obstacles. We went like four miles without obstacles. And now they're they're legit. There's a lot more obstacles. (laughs) And I was like, we're going to put on our own obstacle course race. And unfortunately, I talked to the other optimist on my team, which is my cousin, Jathan. I didn't talk to my critic brother. And the reason I'm (laughs) calling him that is because of the dizzy method we used yesterday. Totally. jathan and i we were on a road trip like doing a business thing and we were 10 hours in the car together and by the end of it we were like we're gonna put on a hundred obstacle obstacle course race it's gonna be the coolest thing ever (laughs) i'm like jathan how long would it take you to build a hundred obstacles because he was a contractor he's like i can build it in five days and i'm like yeah and my other my two brothers they've always been there so whatever mess i get in they're there Mm -hmm. they help me out of it so we built a 100 obstacle, obstacle course race uh, in five days in the middle of the desert, spent all my money, went deep into debt thinking that I was going to make a million dollars because I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I <laughs> uh, didn't market it properly. And what I did market, it was too extreme. So I did put commercials out mm-hmm. on TV. Actually, at the time, I, I did try but I marketed it as like the most extreme thing. Like it's impossible. Nobody can do it. And the percent of the population that wants to do something that is impossible for them is, is, is pretty low. You know, you want, you want things that build you up. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and sure enough, I don't think we did have anybody except my brothers and my cousin able to complete it. Like nobody else was able to <laughs> complete it. <laughs> and So, yeah, I lost so much money. And so, you know, what do you do after you lose a bunch of money on an obstacle course race? Do it again? I just need to do it again. Yeah, Yeah, because not enough people knew about it if I do it again. Yep. (laughs) And uh, the second one we did did much better on. And then the third one, we had a whole other set of problems. So, I mean, that has to be. But now, like I'm thinking about, we set up a giant obstacle course at the Olympia show. Mm -hmm. I didn't know Olympia was bodybuilders. (laughs) <laughs> like, I didn't know that. I'd never heard of the show. Uh-huh. And so they're like, hey, we're going to have 20,000 fitness enthusiasts. Do you want to set up a giant obstacle course? Our person who was supposed to set it up didn't show. And so we set up a 24-foot tall, 100-foot long, crazy, ridiculous obstacle course. Mm-hmm. Not only did nobody do it, but I had spent all my money again. <laughs> <laughs> Went deep into debt again. Actually, this was before the other obstacle course races. I guess I don't learn. And, uh. I'm just, I love obstacles, right?
0: Uh, yes, you do.
1: <laughs> and uh, this, so I spent all my money, went deep into debt right before the Great Recession of 2009. Not mm-hmm. a single person. I thought everyone, I was like, man, we're going to have 20,000 people. We can't fit them all at $100 a piece. Like, we're going to have not one person. Not one. <laughs> not worse one person. So yeah. you, you
0: made a really expensive decoration for the Olympia. Well,
1: then we had to at least do it for free yeah. so that we could at least do something. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get a crowd over here. And once I get a crowd over here, then we're going to get people on this obstacle course. And so my brothers had spent all night setting up this obstacle course. There's a theme here, yeah. right? And my brother, John, he's like this skinny kid at the time, and, and he's just adorable. And I'm like, I get on the megaphone and I say, if anyone can beat John Johnston on this obstacle course, I will give you $500. And I'm like, John, I don't have $500. (laughs) Guess who walks up?
0: Mm, Some American Ninja Warrior.
1: Freaking Flip Rodriguez. Was it Flip Rodriguez and... Evan Dollard, he was an American gladiator and an American ninja warrior. Walk up.
0: Flip was the one who wore a mask all the yeah, time, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure. But it was at least Evan Dollard was definitely. Yep. And John, the he's he got traumatized that day yeah. because he knew his sister didn't have $500. And I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing to him at the time. <laughs> he ended up, like, actually winning. Oh, he did? After being up all night, he did.
0: And he has PTSD about it He now. does.
1: Like, now he's like, every time I get on a microphone, they freaking run. They're like, <laughs> we're gone. Like, they literally, they pucker. Like, they just, like, their whole body just goes into, like, tense. Oh,
0: my God. I'm here yeah. for it.
1: I'm so here for all, it. So, those are all mistakes, you know, traumatizing your family. They love it, though. Like, now, you know, when, when they're talking in groups, they usually tell about all the trauma that they've gone through with their sister <laughs> and her business. I
0: love how you became the drill instructor. You're like, I want somebody to yell at me, so I'm just going to yell at everybody else.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, I was the worst. I'm not anymore because Mm -hmm. now I understand we have to take care of ourselves. But back in the day, I had so many demons and I needed to lose weight and I love food and I wasn't going to give up my food. Mm
0: -hmm. But I was
1: willing to torture my body and I attracted a whole bunch of people just like me. Oh, yeah.
0: I, I had that phase too. I'm like, well, as long as I work out four times a day, I can still eat whenever I want. Yeah. And I'm dying and broken both on the inside and outside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm no. in hospital with rabdo. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. I but got, I never got rabdo. I feel like I got close a few times. I did almost lose my legs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> You did. <laughs> you know, usually I'm the one upper George, but that, yeah, you, you win that one.
0: <laughs> you know, it is. What, I, I, mine was justified. I was getting paid to be in shape as a Marine. So it did happen on deployment, so it's technically my job. So there's my justification. It wasn't like a one upper. I love it. So I'm here for the intensity of this.
1: Oh, yeah, it's been an intense road the whole entire thing. I love it. Yeah, I
0: love it. And What got you started in all of this? Because I know like it came from your want to be in better shape and like have a different life. And so are you like the most way the most accountable I can be is if I launch my own gym? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had uh, had a business for four years. Okay. And I just, there was a day. I woke up, couldn't find any clothes that fit, had to do the the rubber band hair tie around the button, had to wear a jacket in Mm -hmm. summer in in Las Vegas because I couldn't button, you know, the top of my skirt. And I go to a client meeting, and his name was (laughs) Russi Bostanjiev, And he was so intimidating, and I was just sweating. And I just, I was like, I I hated myself. Yeah. Just... Just and because of how I felt inside and out, on the outside, I've always been a nice person, right? But on the inside, everything was just, just annoying. Yeah. Every person, every situation, just always, you know, just critical on the inside, not on mm-hmm. the outside. Everyone's always like, you seemed so nice. And I'm like, yep, yeah, on the outside. You know, yeah. a lot of us are capable of can't that. Can't trust those ones. We can't trust <laughs> Can't those trust ones. those ones. <laughs> yep. And uh, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. Mm. And I was like, you know, you, you grow up thinking you're going to do these amazing things and you hit a point in your life and you're like, this is what I've become. And uh, now I rate my life on like 10 different areas. And 10 out of 10 were just miserable. Just mm. abysmal. Like relationships, uh, like my... My my family life because of the relationship I was in and because of the things that I had chosen. Like everything was hard. Everything was miserable. Yep. Just wanted to stay in bed or just like do nothing all day and just eat or hide. And uh, so that particular day, I I heard on the radio coming back from that appointment, this doctor that like if you pay him five hundred dollars, he would help you lose weight. And it's like, well, he's a doctor. And mm. I got starved, and then I lost the weight, and that I gained it back. And then another doctor told me my adrenals don't work properly and I produce too much cortisol and here's a bunch of pills and I never took the pills and it's just feeling so miserable that I'm like, well, it's not even, you know, what if it's not possible? And I'm like, well, have I tried everything? And I'm like, well, I've tried almost working out once a month and that's not working out for me. (laughs) I've uh, tried eating two Philly cheesesteaks and a soda and fries for lunch. No, that's, not <laughs> that's not working. No, and then I, you know, tried the super strict diets that I fell off of. And so I really did want to join the military like, yeah. just to cut. Because I'd, I'd seen friends come back, like, all skinny and disciplined. And I had, like, I-, I felt so bad about the lack of discipline. Every night I would go to bed and I would, like, back then it was magazines. It wasn't YouTube. Yeah. You know, that's how <laughs> to- long ago it totally. was. <laughs> and I would, like, read these magazines and there'd be this like how to lose weight and it'd be this skinny little perky girl and she'd be like eat half a chicken breast and a slice of tomato and for your lunch and do this like workout i'm like if i could do that <laughs> I wouldn't have this problem if like, I could it's eat not- a half chicken breast.
0: <laughs> not have- why I'm reading this magazine. <laughs> it's
1: like, I can't. And so, you know, the next day I'm like, this is going to be the day. And then I just wouldn't do it like day after day over and over. And so finally I was like, I, the only way I'm going to do this is if people are showing up mm-hmm. and I have to be there for them. Mhm. And so I started like it was the first civilian boot camp of its kind. I'm sure there was other ones in other places, but I couldn't find one because I was going to take a second out of my house and go find one Got like it. to go join. I was like, I would pay fifty thousand dollars to like go through a program that would help me lose the weight. And I couldn't find anything. So I mm. built so you my made own. Your own. Yeah, I made my own and I hired these amazing guys to like go out in the park and torture us. And uh, they were doing it the right way, but in my head, this isn't hard enough. Like, I'm gonna have to actually eat healthy and do the workout if I'm gonna do it this way. So the next day, like, I went, I'd gone to Home Depot and got buckets and filled them with water and had like the telephone poles. And we just, we just suffered. I was like, yeah, this is gonna be the thing. And then I'd put these little flyers around town and people would come. For one day because the flyer and then they're like, there's this little girl in a camo hat and a whistle and she's overweight and she's like never been in the military and she's yelling at me and throwing up like, what is this?
0: Are you throwing up in between yelling at them like, go yeah. more? Yeah. 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 Uh huh.
1: I just saw like I saw a guy a couple years ago out and he's like. I know you. He said, the last time I saw you, you were yelling at me and throwing up at the same time. I used to go train the cadets at UNLV. Oh,
0: my goodness.
1: <laughs> a thousand at a time. Like.
0: I'm noticing a trend here. <laughs> I am noticing a trend here. Yeah, I was so happy on the outside.
1: Yes. Yeah, you can tell. Oh, well, you know, and I, I was like, oh, I got to put on the show, right? Like, yeah. You have to put on the show so that everybody will do the thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, it was probably me getting out my inner demons and, yeah.
0: It looks you like you got him out. You're really happy now. I'm
1: so freaking happy, but it was not until about 2015 that I like it was the first evolution of the current happiness, and then mm. just recently, like during the pandemic, the the final evolution of today's happiness.
0: Of today's happiness. Well, today's I think happiness. it's I think it's a journey. It's interesting too because I beat my bulimia by launching a public food blog. <laughs> Because I was like, nobody can hold me accountable. Like, that's how – basically, for me, I was like, no. And I'm like, here's the thing. I was in the military for 12 years. I quote, unquote, had the discipline. No, like, no. Uh, The military is emotional abuse. And then the moment you're out of the container and you have a choice, you're like, no, screw that again. So it's probably better that you didn't go because plenty of fat people in the military too. You learn. You really do learn. But it's – there's something about that accountability greater – to something greater – Greater power, greater good, greater person, greater something that has always been for me the only ability that I've found when I'm really stuck that can keep me consistent. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious to you because you got to that point where like it sounds like one of your defining moments was like, okay, I can't be rubber banding my pants. I'm not wearing jackets in Vegas, right? And then you're like, I'm going to do something different. But then you pay this dude, you starve and you gain it back. Like that has to come with layers of frustration. And so what was the call to like try again and try again? Like where did that resiliency or drive want to come from? Cause like that's happened to me and I'm like back in bed for another year. Like I'll keep the weight back on again. Like what was that? Like, was it you had clarity that you wanted to be different? Were you just so disgusted that you were at this point in your life and you wanted it to look different? Like what was that that kept you going? Because it wasn't like, oh, I made a decision. I lost the weight and kept it off. Like you lost it, gained it back, got another one. He starved you. You're like, boom. Like what was that drive? Where would that come from? Like what was that like for you?
1: It Had to have been awareness. I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to track what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to track it. And I kept a calendar because I, I watched my skinny friends and I felt like I was doing the exact same things as them. And here I'm like bigger. Yeah. You know, and then the doctors reinforced my thoughts that it was harder for me with mm-hmm. all the things that they said. But I'm like, let me track. And I don't know where that idea came from, but I had a little calendar and I had stickers, gave myself a sticker every time I worked out. <laughs> and you I get gave a myself- star. <laughs> yeah. And then I rated my meals, you know, mm-hmm. one to one to five. And every meal was terrible. I wasn't working. I felt like I was working out all the time, but I was mm-hmm. almost trying to work out for 10 minutes by running down the block. And then it was too hot and I would come back home once a month and i had and i i have always thought that i was decently intelligent never thought that i could be tricking myself in that way yeah and it all all roads lead back to our brain and mindset and and i always used to be so annoyed by anybody talking <laughs> to me about mindset meditation don't tell me what to all do All the <laughs> things, yes, all the things that now i'm so into but starting that first camp I just became obsessed. I get obsessed with things. And I was obsessed with obstacle courses. And I was watching kids at a playground, too, one time. And I was like, if I could have fun working out, then I would do it. And somehow it turned into, like, just being miserable every day with people. But I had a lot of things going on mentally. And Mm -hmm. after the the two hours of torture, I would feel better every time. And so for that first year, people would come. They would never show up again. But I lost the weight. Yeah. Because it was the first time I had ever been consistent since I used to do sports in school, like just cross country and track. Mm-hmm. But after that first year, I had only had one client, and she'd paid me a hundred dollars total for an entire year. You talk about a <laughs> talk about a first business. business year. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs>
0: Noticing a trend here.
1: <laughs> That's crazy. But uh, yeah, but I knew that if she wanted it. If there's one person out of 2 million, I just had to find the rest. Mm-hmm. So a lot of roads lead back to mindset. A lot of roads lead back to marketing and finding my people. And so I went on uh, to Fox 5 and I told them that Channel 3 had challenged them to an school course workout. And I told Channel 3 that Fox 5 had challenged them. I love this. And Channel 3, they uh, I don't know if they believed me, but they sent an anchor and a live reporter out for two hours. Uh-huh. And they're like, when, when are your classes? I'm like, oh, 5 and 6 a.m. Begged my friends and family, please come and make this look like I actually have something going, please. And I set up this little obstacle course. And uh, they came and and they were, the anchor and the reporter, they were all about it. They raced through the little things and, and they interviewed me and I had 83 phone calls within two hours. And Prior to that, people were just trying to sign up their bad kids to boot camp. Like yeah. I was trying to explain <laughs> that it's fitness for adult civilians. And it was it was hard. I probably spent a half a million dollars in the first like few years just getting the word out about what it was.
0: Drill instructor Julie over here in <laughs> Vegas running rehab camps for troubled teens.
1: No, that is not what we're doing. <gasps> that is not.
0: I love I mean, like, I gotta give it to you though. Like I love like I love through all of that though, like the the resiliency, like I'm noticing a trend here where you're like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. And like, what I hear is like, even though the demons were there, the demons weren't you, right? Like there was something deeper underneath it. Cause I was the same way. Like I used to bond with people while suffering. Like I, I mean, even up until a couple years ago, like my wife would be like, I think you need to go to the pain cave. And like, I would go sit in my sauna for three hours and like, reinvent every ounce of the fabric of my existence to be able to sit in there. And it's like, you know, I wanted to quit at 45 minutes. I'm like another two, another two, another two. And it's like, it was like almost like I had to pressure the demons out. And, uh, I just realized I could start doing that alone. And then once I got them out, I could really just be proactive about keeping them out. You know, that was a better, a better method, but I just love your resiliency. Like I love that you literally had the thought of like, I'm going to call the two news stations and I'm going to throw a gauntlet down and tell them that they're challenging each other. I'm going to fill the park. I mean, that is probably one of the most genius guerrilla marketing tactics I've ever heard.
1: I I it was uh, Aaron Corby who just in passing told me to do it. So, yeah.
0: Credit we cried yeah, but you executed yeah. on it. They showed up. <laughs> they showed up ready to go. And so, what happened after that? So you get it. You had eighty-three yeah. people call you, and did they start filling your uh, now boot camp for civilian adults.
1: <laughs> yeah, put flyers on doors, and it uh, it took off like a like a rocket. And uh, then we had this, uh, you know, you, then you have the recession. Yeah, you know, you have the the Mister the Mister Olympia fiasco, the recession, and you know, there's there's so many stories, but. Uh, what, like one of the first stories when I when I was super young, just a few years in, I had the first clients sit me down and say, we're going to start our own thing. The, you know, the same thing yeah. as you, you know, just right down the street. And you can either let us buy 50% of your business for $30,000 because like, I was suffering. Like I've always been a sufferer, not because what I was doing wasn't successful, but because I love spending money on new ideas no I love it and I just I just spend it all and then I'm like crap (laughs) (laughs) and so at the time I needed that money and they're like we'd love to work with you they were salesmen they were car salesmen they're like we know how to sell you don't know how to sell you're not very good at it we'll blow this thing up but I was like I don't even want to talk to them right now how can I be in business with them and so sure enough they started their own thing called Sin City Waste Trimmers down the street. yeah I laugh now because at the time my world was destroyed you know Um, but I didn't act like it just kept doing my thing never talked about them acted like they didn't exist but inside they existed oh yeah and that was just the first of many stories we had our own government um, start their own uh, boot camps at the same time so, and locations as all of ours. We always had permits. I had a bunch of trailers traveling around. At one time, none of my staff knew how to haul trailers, so I was hauling them all at 2.30 in the morning before I taught a 5 a.m. class, then a 6 a.m. class, then a 9.30 a.m. class, then I would work on the business and then teach a 6.30 p.m. class. We've all been there, you know. And uh, when our local government did that, they started their own, and they called it a very similar name, and they shut us down. Oh. And I went in, and this was my first, uh, like, just real big like, kind of business government thing right Mm -hmm. and I just I I, this finger had to be taken off and put back on I just had the surgery and I go in my mom had to drive me and I go into the the park director's office and and I say so here's the law that says that we can do what we're doing he said I don't care about the law the buck stops here you'll never run your little boot camps in my parks and I was like what? <laughs> like it just and so I won't tell the whole story, but I fought that for years. When you're in your 20s, you fight things just mm-hmm. because you're like, "This, I'm right." <laughs> like, but it doesn't matter. Like years later, lots of money later, like it doesn't matter who's right or who's not right. You know? Yeah. In the end, if, like
0: or if it's ethical or not.
1: In the end, like you've just got to like, is this the best thing for me? And people told me like. The amount of publicity we got back then, like people still know those stories. When Mm -hmm. I go into entrepreneur groups, they're like, oh yeah, we, you were in the front page of the newspaper. Like, yeah, we were, we were fighting the big fight. But then years later, you know, we started our indoor facilities and, and never looked back and like man I could have just done that a lot sooner instead of just fighting this fight but I never had mentors never had coaches totally.
0: well, I feel like too like it's easy to look back and like I could have I could have yeah. I'm like but it probably wouldn't have worked without the lessons and the stories and the grit and the resistance and you know all of those pieces but you said something a minute ago I'm going to challenge you on you're like we've all been there you have a deep 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 sense like a deep well of commitment like you say like we've been there like I haven't gotten up at 2 30 in the morning to drive a trailer somewhere I'll sleep till 7 30 complain about my life and be like why isn't it happening for me and like no I'm serious like you have this deep well of drive and it's really really powerful like have you always had that that it did you have it as a kid is it from competitions with your brothers is it you know were you like that when you played sports like do you know like Julie, that's not normal. And I mean that in the best way possible. Like, I really feel like you're a flipping rhino.
1: The story is way worse than that. I was the girl who someone would say, hey, you want to be on the basketball team? Yes. Like, I'd say yes to, to everything just, like, because I hit this point in my life where I was reading books and I was like, no, I want to be the people in the books. How do you do that? Okay. I say yes to everything that comes my way. So I was like 11, 12, 13. I don't remember. And so I got invited to be on the middle school basketball team, said yes, And they're like, okay, whoever wins the suicides is going to start in tomorrow's game. I would always win the suicides. And I would never play. And I would be the one sitting on the bench in, in, you have the warmups and you're not cold. They don't know why you have to, you can't take your warmups off until you play. I was the only one who never played a single game because I wasn't that good at basketball. <laughs> but you could run suicide. <laughs> but I could run. I could, <laughs> I could be more, I, my, my, uh, my strong suit is being miserable longer than anybody else. Like yeah. that, that's my strong suit. So it's kind of like, it's kind of sad, but no, I wasn't the person that was just really awesome. I, I was the the person who was like okay I had a chemistry teacher brutal like was brutal to me for three years like it is it like it it would make me cry to tell the story and I kept going to her class for all three years because I wanted to like prove to her that no I'm like I'm a good kid and anyways later she said she was trying to toughen me up and that I was too like weak and she wanted to like make me strong or something but I was just I was raised to be humble and turn the other cheek and so she didn't see that actually I was tough and strong. Anyways, it's, it's like a weird little story. She was, she had a ski trip every year that she took everybody on who, like, passed the AP exam. I passed the test. She told the entire class, well, I usually take everyone on a ski trip, but because Julie passed the test, I would have to take her too, so we're not going on the ski trip. Like,
0: whoa. whoa. <laughs> it
1: was like, but I kept going to her class, and I signed up to be her student aide because I'm like, oh, no, once she gets to know me, she'll like me. <laughs>
0: I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to unpack that. Like I'm just, gonna, I'm like I'm gonna have to call the holistic psychologist on this one. Like that's for Nicole's podcast. Like I'm just saying, hey, Nicole, if you ever listen to my podcast, have Julian and unpack that one for me because that one, that is, the, yeah. yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh man so when you when you went from this is like literally my favorite podcast ever like i'm just (laughs) over here for it and i've got to watch you for the last three days in montana just so everybody knows julie's in my mastermind as well like we work together um but i've got to watch you for the last couple days and i absolutely love it and um and when you think back on that now right you're running the boot camps (laughs) i'm dying right now (laughs) but i have the question i just can't get it out you challenge the news channel, right? You get 83 people that call you. They start coming to their boot camps. When did you realize that you didn't have to puke in front of people anymore? Like, when did that shift happen? Like, when did you start to turn down the intensity? Like, was there a response to them or did you always keep it or do you still have it? Like, I feel like you're a lot, you're a lot more temperate now.
1: Yeah, I stopped coaching Okay, and I started running the business. Okay. And I would get giant like corporate team buildings together and I would run those. But obviously, you're not going to take, you know, we had Patron and Paul Mitchell. We're not going to take his people. I feel like like you would. (laughs) (laughs) He was so gung ho. He was going on all the obstacles and just killing it. But uh, so that was kind of when the shift happened. And when the pandemic hit. Like people used to love my old style. We don't do it anymore. Now mm-hmm. we take care of people. Like mm-hmm. we want people to feel better. We we want to help them. And you still you still get the benefits, the same benefits of exercise that's good for you, <laughs> as you do it like the torture and the telephone poles. And you know, if anyone puts it down, we're gonna do a hundred burpees. Yeah. Right. You you still get the same benefit, but um. I did, I did workout fundraisers back in the first recession and I'm, and I brought it back again for people who had to quit because they couldn't afford their membership at the gym because of the pandemic. And I was like, we're going to do old school. Cause people ask me for old school all the time. And I did this workout fundraiser and it was supposed to be old school. And I just, apparently I can read a room now yeah and i'm like that's not what any of these people need we're just coming back from a pandemic they don't need to have the old you want to hear the old way i used to of course i myself? do okay so let's say i'm so here for you're this you're brand new yeah. right you're brand new um I, w- I wouldn't really talk to you till we got started mm-hmm. like for some reason i don't know maybe i'd seen it somewhere so then i'd be like all right guys time to get started gather up so you're george right yeah i'm like okay what's your name george i'm julie nice to meet you Here's the rules of boot camp. No walking, no whining. Go to the bathroom and get water anytime you want. But just run there. Work as hard as you can, as long as you can. And as long as you're miserable, then I'm happy. Let's do the mile warm-up. Like, that was it. And people stayed for years. For years. But then I got this email. I got this email. And this girl emailed me. And she said, and it was the first time that anybody ever told me. And she said, You know, I need to cancel because on my, and so our marketing said, this is going to be the most miserable thing you've ever done. We're the toughest. Like if you're late, you have to do pushups. If you whine, you're going to be kicked out. Like there's no whining, right? There's no, (laughs) and she emailed me and she said, I read the rules, but I just like, I felt so bad about myself that first day. And I felt so alone and you didn't even introduce like yourself to me. You just told me like the rules and to go run a mile. And she's like, I guess I'm just not tough enough, and I'm so sorry she was apologizing. Mm. And my heart freaking broke. Yeah. And then my customer journey was made, and then I started just, like, caring, like, over-caring for people. And I think I felt like, I I just felt like before, like, they needed the drill instructor. Mm -hmm. And a lot, I mean, a lot of them benefited and loved it and stuff. But now I can, I know who needs what. Yeah. Like, I know who needs what
0: yeah you have an expanded yeah. range right yeah. like you can meet and go you know it's funny I don't even think you know how similar you and I are <laughs> I really don't If you, when you come to the office like our actual office I have my, my military plaque my shadow box up there and it says you know Staff Sergeant George Bryan blah 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 blah, blah. my nickname is the PT devil <laughs> I was nicknamed the physical training devil by my colleagues my peers my marines and my bosses and I mean I was sadistic like I, I, like I'm sitting over, this is the quietest I've ever been on a podcast. Cause I'm like, I'm listening to myself in Julie right now. I was like, yep, yeah, we might, we might've been separated at birth. I might be adopted. I don't know. I might be related to your brothers, but like, I know exactly what that feels like. And, and I feel like, and I don't know why, but like for me, like I've experienced a lot of trauma in my life and none of the normal outlets ever touched me. Like it was like, I would do things that would make other people feel good and it just wouldn't do anything for me. It was like, I had a high stimulus that caused the trauma and it was like, I needed a high stimulus to get it out. And so like, you know, my boss be like, Hey, train the Marines. I'm like, cool. And I was like, Hey guys, like see that hill. They're like, yeah, I'm like, we're going to play on it." They're like, cool. And they're like, for now I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. And then like lunging backwards up it like bear crawling up it, fireman's carries down it, walking lunges down it. And like I got in trouble because later in the day my boss is like, Hey, um, they can't walk. And I was like, I can. He's like, Well, you you have to do it with them I'm like I did. And I was like, And I did it before them too, because that's how I can do it with them and like I wore it as a badge of honor forever. And I was the same way. I'm like, I will outsuffer you. I will outlast you. I was like, nobody thought I was good enough. Like I'll show you. I never got picked. I got bullied. I had my front teeth knocked out three times. Like broken nose. I was the only white kid in my class and nobody ever picked me. And I'm like, Cool. Thanks for teaching me how to suffer. Cause uh, I will outlast all of you. And I mean like I even like brought it into the strongman comps and I'm like, I'm gonna tear something if somebody doesn't break and i feel i feel like people just knew and they're like i'm not going to outlast him and then it became a mental game right cuz i'm like no i just want you to know if you're willing to rip your bicep i'll rip mine more and they're like nope 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 so i just started to win by default like i don't even know if i had the capacity but like i'm sitting over here and i'm like oh man <laughs> this is what i used to sound like
1: you you get to a certain point where you have this reputation and then everybody, like, they can beat you, but they have it in their head that they can't yeah. because of the story. Totally. And so then I would just sprint past people holding my breath and tell them, good job. Yeah. And they would just, just crumble. And I'm like, you could have beaten me. <laughs> like, in my head, you <laughs> could have beaten me. Um, but I I love these stories because so one of our, our local uh, executive producers at Fox 5 burst a blood vessel in her eye backwards crab crawling, so feet first up the hill with a log in her lap. Yes. And it was one of my signatures, and I would do all four classes and do every single thing with them. And, you know, something that you were doing with the men yesterday reminded me of some of the stuff I used to do. I used to go hide my truck. I had a giant truck with logs and tires in the back and the rhino on the side, and it was a (laughs) camo-wrapped truck. I loved camo. (laughs) I had camo everything. And... I would hide it in the desert with ropes off the front, and I would say, all right, guys, we're going to go for a warm-up jog, you know, we're just going to, you know, have a great workout today, and we'd start running, and we just wouldn't stop running, and we'd just be running, and nobody would ask, like, everybody knew, like, no whining, I even used to say to my rules, like, if anyone asks, why are we doing this, then uh, we're going to do it longer, like, don't ask why we're doing this, and so then I'd be like, Oh, look at that. There my truck is in the middle of the desert. What is it doing there? We got to pull it back, guys. We'd pull that truck all over town. One time there was flash flooding, like bad. And we had a reservoir next to the park. And it was bad flash flooding. And this is messed up. I'm going to tell you. Like, I'm going to tell you it's messed up. Nobody's ever died doing my programs, by the way. I
0: love the disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that you even have to say that.
1: We've had some close calls. Okay. Mm. But anyways, um, I just told him with a super straight face. I was like, all right, guys, we have a Tough Mudder coming up, and we need to get prepared. We need to get mentally prepared, physically prepared. I know it's raining right now. There's flash flooding in the reservoir, which is the perfect opportunity. Grab your water bottles. We're going to go find a flash flood, and we're going to train in it. They all grabbed their water bottles. And I was like, Julie, you are terrible. And I was like, just kidding, guys. Like, just kidding. And I was like, like, all of a sudden in that moment, I was like, I need to be more careful. Yeah. Like, because they trusted me and I hadn't broken their trust and I never did. Mm-hmm. But I was like, guys, flash floods are awful. You see the billboards like stay away from flash floods. Don't let some psycho <laughs> girl yeah. but you know when you're doing it with them it feels a little safer
0: totally but we i did
1: some crazy things
0: i'm i'm just a lot of this lands for me
1: <laughs> i know it does because i saw a glimpse i saw a glimpse
0: i mean but like i and and i think the worst part for me is i was rewarded for it like oh. i was i had marines underneath me like they'd like kind of make jokes but they all secretly loved it they're like these dudes are they can fight like they can do it like you're not and i mean like i would break because we have rules like Rules of the weather outside, do you have like training parameters like what you can do? And I was like, Don't tell me what to do. I was like, if I do it, and my my rule was really, really simple. If I was willing to do it, then they could all do it. Like yeah. that was my rule. Yeah. And I was like, so I'm gonna give you a taste of my demons. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe I'll transfer some of them. Yeah. I mean, I'd <laughs> even in Afghanistan, we were doing burpee three miles burpee broad jumps for three miles i'm like it's 125 degrees at 4,000 feet and i'm like oh we haven't slept in like a week i'm on two pots of coffee a day and i look at one of my marines and he's like you can't beat me i'm like oh yeah let's go do a burpee three mile he's like three yeah and i'm like and then we'd all bring him out and it was like oh man we did like three four mile tire flips like it was nuts i've never talked about any of this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Any of this. And now I'm sitting over here just like loving my dad bod. And I'm like, I'm here for it. Like, I'm here for all of it. Like, I'm glad I got that out. Like, I feel, but you know what really is interesting? I feel like I, as I, I've, I've obviously coached a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people. And I'm like, I feel like we all kind of have the outlet. All of people get obsessive about writing or about reading or about like to where it's at the same extreme. And for me, the only stimulus that ever really landed was, you know, physical movement. But I feel like it was actually really cathartic and it was really, really good. And uh, I feel like it's the fastest way to really find your range. But man, I totally relate to everything you're saying. The the problem is,
1: is it wasn't enough. Yeah. You know, like it was never enough. Totally. Once we got to 24 hours out in the elements with our rucks and doing the 24 hour challenges and killing and eating a rattlesnake. And it's like, where does this end? And the moment where I was at, So I have, like, I'm always at my parents' house or with my brothers, and I'm always excited about something. Yeah. And I was excited because. My members were excited about an idea I had. And the idea was to do a hell weekend. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was where, like, and I was always up front about everything. This yeah. is going to be miserable. And I thought that, like, I was like, okay, I told them. Yep. <laughs> and they signed up for it. And so I wanted to do a hell weekend where we picked everyone up in a bus. They had a list of the things that they needed. They didn't know where they were going. And we were going to have a bell. hmm And my dad said some of the wisest words he's ever said to me. He said, you're going to take your best clients, like your absolute best ones, the ones who you've changed their lives, you know, they're they're a team, like you have the camaraderie, like they're happy, they're healthy, and you're going to go hurt them.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Because these are not 18-year-old men in the military. Mm-hmm. These are tough. Oh, my rhinos are freaking tough. Oh, I like, know. They are so tough. they they mentally tough. They, they love each other. They're just fierce, right? And- They would have done it, and and they they would have done it until their bodies broke. And luckily, my body broke because I was the leader. I was doing four times as much as anybody. So luckily, my body broke, ended up in the hospital. You know, they said that I was close to kidney failure or whatever with the rhabdo, and that was when I was like, okay, like I want to live. Yeah. But I was still miserable because I was still eating like crap. Yeah. Like I eat like crap for the first 11 years of owning – my mm-hmm. gyms and, and my fitness businesses and whenever someone would try to tell me to eat healthier i would be like let's go race right now let's yeah. go like like i had never uh-huh. been beat in like a wall sit or a six inch ab hold like the things Mm-mm. that were long and miserable i i'd never been beat now now somebody that guy over there probably beat me in something, totally
0: i <laughs> did wall sits the other day they were humbling actually <laughs> i was like man i ain't like i used to I be
1: yeah we did them in class and i was like and they brought me a whole stack of weights cuz you add a 10 plate every 30 seconds and they're like here Julie you're going to need all these weights i didn't need very many they're
0: like just give me my water bottle <laughs> yeah. i'll take that today
1: okay oh i have i don't have anything to prove yeah you that know, way anymore though you
0: and i have I, I mean it's i get it i get i get yeah. why we we drive so well um because even when i when i almost lost my legs it didn't change anything it made it worse it made it worse because it was 2005 I got exercise induced compartment syndrome bilaterally.
1: That's worse than rhabdo. So you win.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. They misdiagnosed it as shin splints. So I stayed in country for six more months. Flew home. They did an MRI and they're like, you have blood clots everywhere. I was in surgery like four hours later. And like, I flew from Somalia back to North Carolina with blood clots. Oh, yeah. It's like lucky to be alive. Um, do the surgery. <clears throat> they get out, they do a partial release, doesn't work, but it takes 30 days throughout it doesn't work. Right. So then I have four more surgeries. And then, so I ended up in a wheelchair for mm, close to nine months, uh, close to nine months, addicted to opiates, get a PCA pump every six minutes. Like for like 90 days, I just had a PCA pump into my spine, patient controlled anesthetic for anybody listening. So I just hit a button every time it hurt, every time I hurt. And, uh, so then I gained a hundred pounds. It was like two hundred and sixty pounds at five seven on a good day. I'm probably five because I weighed so much. I was probably five eight before I got fat, and then it just you know gravity no. the weight helped shrink my spine, <laughs> so now I'm five seven <laughs> I'm serious. I got shorter somewhere in my career. um and I got to the end, and they were like, I'd been on limited duty for twelve months. And they're like, hey, uh, we're putting you up for a med board. Like, you're done. And I'm like, I've been in the military since 2002. And I like, like, oh, where am I going to go back to? The place that I left with drugs and abuse and that I ran away from that I literally have nothing. And I was like, so I was more scared of getting out than staying in. And I was like, what's it going to take? And I still was barely walking. And they're like, you have to be able to run a physical fitness test in 30 days. And that meant I had to do at least three pull-ups, which that was never hard, a hundred crunches, but I had to run three miles in under 28 minutes. And I had not walked in, I don't know, maybe like nine, 10 months. And I was in physical therapy. Pull-ups were easy. Crunches were easy. Um, I cried for three miles. And I mean, I was like, I'm doing permanent damage of surgeries, but I had to make, and I made it in like 27 minutes, but it like lit something in me. And I... I was like, I was petrified to get out. So a year later, I was running three miles in 16 and a half minutes. And I'm not a runner. You can tell my body is not built for running. It's Mm -mm. built to be a rhino or a linebacker, right? (laughs) Um, And I just started finding the drug in it. And I actually, my like full physical fitness addiction started after the injury. Because before I was like, oh, I went to boot camp. Like I did this. I would kind of lift. I'm like, oh, I was into bodybuilding kind of, right? But it was when that happened, like that was the catalyst for the addiction. And that's when the orthorexia started. And that's when it got crazy. And then it wasn't until, you know, I got my, I don't know, seventh traumatic brain injury. And it really started. And this was after I was a competitive CrossFitter and everything that it was like the toll all took up. The surgeries started herniating. Like I have a hernia in my leg that's been there for like eight years. And it all kind of started to unravel because it took that long, like eight years for the culmination of what I had done to catch up with me. And then that's why I was medically separated. And so instead of then being like, oh, let me get better, I was like, well, I'll become a food blogger, right? And then I got obsessed about food, but I was still bulimic. Like, I was not practicing paleo. I was making paleo recipes to hide. And then I was purging before I gave keynotes on loving your body with food. And I mean, like, authentically, it took me being in that space like the same thing I'm like oh yeah watch and I would still smoke check everybody I'm crossfitting I'm doing whatever and I was like try me try me and it, it for me the catalyst was the emotional break it wasn't the physical one I felt like the physical one the the probably the downside of the military is they taught me more of my capacity to suffer because like there were points I thought I was going to break and then it unlocked this new level <laughs> yeah. and you're like oh i didn't know this part of the game i don't know if it's good i know this part of the game exists like i had to go get into some deep shadows to find this level and i was like oh but i can get here and so it was actually the emotional part and it was it was it was my wife it was mm. it was really my wife i met my wife at a crossfit competition
1: i didn't know that yeah
0: yeah so she uh life as rx hired me as a friend my friend marcus owned life as rx oh, and he's okay. like hey will you photograph the event for me i lived up the street And I was like, yeah, so I'm photographing it. And then my wife is competing with my buddy, Phil, who I was a training partner with. And uh, I didn't really know where I thought they were dating, but it didn't stop me from taking one too many pictures of her. And uh, she, I actually still have the picture on my phone. The first picture I ever took of my wife was the day we met.
1: Wow!
0: And uh, it was like her first and only competition. She was like kind of a crossfitter, yeah. and they're like do this, and they're like do overhead squats at 85 pounds that she'd never done an overhead squat oh before. My like you can even imagine, right? And so that's that's actually how we met. But um, we met and then didn't date. <clears throat> I was in a toxic relationship. So was she. Uh, But she just wasn't having anything other than like the best, like, and the best being integrous and healthy and non narcissistic and (laughs) non-gaslighting and, you know, all the pieces that everybody should wait for um, and protect with. And so, um, yeah, it was really, really interesting because I would show up the same, but I wasn't rewarded for it. I wasn't seen for it. Like she didn't see me because I could outperform or I could outwork out and it was like so subtle but it was like just kind of making chinks in the armor. And then I would try to hold on more. So I would go train more and then compensate more. So then I would be more egotistical, more self-centered in all of it. And then I lost her. She left me. And uh, my wife left me twice. Uh, and uh, it was when she left me the second time and said, I'll never see our daughter again. And I've never talked about this. I'll never see our daughter again. And uh, she changed her numbers so don't ever come see me again. And uh, I was, I thought we were done, but there was something in me that I was like, we're not, I was like, but it's not going to come from doing what I've been doing. And I dove deep. That's, that's the day I started personal development work. And, uh, and that wound opened up the trauma wound, opened up the death wound, the suicide wound, the addiction wound, the. It basically opened up everything back to like the first abuse at three and then the sexual abuse and then the this and then the this. And it was a catalyst. And it was like, well, now I see why I have a capacity to suffer and what I was trying to suffer from feeling. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we um, I'll tell the story of how I got my wife back because I didn't get her back by getting her back. I got her back by letting her go. Um, But now we have a beautiful family and we're there. But I, I really, really get it. And I had no clue this is where we were going today. This is so good.
1: You asked me what we were going to talk about, and I'm, and I'm like, like, I don't oh, know. It's going to happen. Whatever it is.
0: <laughs> and it's really, it's really like I look now, and like obviously April was here earlier, um, just so everybody knows. <laughs> the last episode you heard, we recorded an hour before this one because we're all partying in person together right now, because um, we just finished the mastermind. Before Julie is going to crush a keynote uh, for the public event tomorrow. But yeah, we were talking about like the power of story and it's really what I applaud you for. And I love is that your ability through all of that and all of that suffering and all of that stuff, you're just willingness to continue to go and always find the optimism to always find the positive and be like, I was that way. And I did do that. And I mean, it's inspiring how much you own your truth. And I feel like it's a testament to like why you do what you do and how you attract people and and what you do. And so I can totally see it now. I totally see all of it.
1: I've always thought everything I was going to do was going to be awesome. Oh
0: yeah, me too. (laughs) Because
1: I always, everything I've ever done was because I needed it first. Totally. Like, so my, my worst place in business, I've had a lot of bad business places all brought up. I I love that I brought them on myself though. I love that it wasn't some external thing. Totally. It was always me and my decisions, but we were $150,000 in debt and I was sitting at my kitchen table and I had $13,000 in my checking accounts, like 13000 And That'll I had $22,000 in payroll um, by Friday that I had to make. And I hadn't been eating healthy yet. Like I hadn't even tried that. I hadn't, like I was still just working out really hard. And um, I was like, well, what haven't I tried? Like, what haven't I done just sitting there at my kitchen table when I was eating a pound of Jelly Bellies? I know because they're expensive, and I'd eat a pound every night <laughs> of Jelly Bellies. I love them.
0: I, wanted, I <laughs> want to tabulate what your yearly expense was on a pound of Jelly Belly's day. It's 365 pounds of jelly beans a it's year.
1: freaking, that's a lot. If
0: not more. It's a lot. Because I have a feeling there were a couple, oh, I'll have two a pounds pound and today. A half, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, I would go up to a pound and a half. Absolutely. Because I was like, well, I need to buy enough for like a few days so I don't have to go back to the Jelly Belly store like every day, you know. And then I would be finishing, you Did know. Did you go, go to
0: the store of... where they sold them in bulk and you could fill your bag yeah, with the colors the like the M&M colors. store? Oh, yeah. You live in Vegas. That and makes sense. And then I
1: liked mixing the different colors mm-hmm. and, and making different Flavors and yeah, amazing. But uh, it was that moment where I realized that the one thing I hadn't tried in my business and the one thing I hadn't tried personally was nutrition mm. because I'd always resisted. I like I started my business so I wouldn't have to eat healthy, yeah, like and, but I could still lose weight. Yep. But then when you hit 30s and I was running my businesses, at the time like I was watching everyone else work out, but I couldn't as much. And I was like, I'm gonna have to freaking do the nutrition part if I want to. Like, and I'd gained 18 pounds. And I was broke, like just a low point relationships, just a low point again. And so I started our nutrition program and I hired like this lady, she was the best to teach me how to facilitate it. And it took four rounds of the program for me to actually join the program. I was standing in the front of the room telling everyone, we're going to do this together. And then I'd be super transparent. I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) but they would do it (laughs) you're gonna love this actually so that when i needed that money i borrowed twenty thousand dollars uh from somebody it it, it was a friend but it was a ten percent interest and i had to give four free gym memberships for two years so i mean it was a friend and you
0: don't like giving out free gym memberships?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, not anymore i used to have 74 free people at my gym back in the day i was trying to save the world didn't understand business but uh i was like what can i do like so, I had twenty thousand dollars, but I, so I had thirteen thousand in the hole and twenty two thousand in payroll, right? Yeah. So I was like, what can I do within the next few days that I've never done before, that's needed, that I need, and 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 what would guarantee me to like make money? And I was like, well, if I did a challenge, there was a nutrition challenge, and I charged three hundred dollars, and I told them they would all get it back at the end of it if they completed it, then I would get money. I got fifteen thousand dollars, and I got. graduation on that challenge. So all of them got their money back, but it bought me six weeks, but they all became members because Mm. it was like, it was so good. And so, like, fixing the nutrition, both for myself, for my business, like adding it to my business, that was really like, I pulled myself out of $150,000 in debt using Mike McAllowitz's system. Profit first. And it was freaking nutrition.
0: It was nutrition.
1: And then the the next big one was. Meditation, Like mm-hmm. nutrition and meditation, the two things that instant annoyance if someone would have brought up my eating habits or, hey, Julie, you really need to slow down or you're going to hit a wall. Mm-hmm. But in 2019, I was in the hospital, hopefully for the last time. And it was just from stress. Yeah. Like full on symptoms, thought I had MS or carotid yeah. artery blockage. And that was recently. I know. And I'm not doing that again.
0: I feel like, like <sighs> I feel like even since we've known each other, you're a different human being. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to witness. You know, what's interesting about what you just said. It's like nutrition was the one thing, nutrition and and meditation, right? I feel like it's always that one thread that annoys us because mine was feeling and measuring. That was it. Those were my two, right? Because every time, be like, what are you doing? I would live in the ambiguity so I could go be in my addiction of speaking or doing or closing. And I would be, I'd make good money at it, right? But I would never put anything measurable or anything consistent. And then I would avoid feeling by chasing all of that stuff. And those were those were the two for me. It was feeling and it was it was really being able to measure it.
1: I avoided feelings too. I, I didn't think about that. I, I would go without crying and be so proud of it. Yep. Go years and years and years and years without crying and yep. I learned to cry over the and a lot of that, like you were one of the first people I interviewed over the pandemic when our gyms were shut down and it was just a whole bunch of just difficult stuff. I interviewed twenty seven successful people for the Vegas Rising Summit. You were one of them. Mm-hmm. And every single one of you guys, but like mostly you were a big factor. That's why. That's why I joined your mastermind. Totally. Like meditation, stillness, and I had read the Miracle Morning. Mm -hmm. How's a good dude? Okay. And so I've been doing it. Just yeah, I've been doing it. And you're right. I can I can have happiness. Like I've had some pretty bad moments. Like my freaking dog bit me. Things like that.
0: That dog bite is gnarly. (laughs) Um, that is not a dog bite. That is, I get attacked by a great white in the body of a dog. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> he was choking. I was trying to save him. Don't do that with a German Shepherd mix. Um, but in those moments, you know, when you're with your podcast without. Yeah. they Finding happiness in every moment. And I was able to do that. And. For anyone listening, you know, hearing that, like, nutrition and meditation saved my business, exercise is always my number one, but I was already doing that. Totally. But exercise, exercise is what fuels you to want to fuel your body. It's, it's what, like, exercise is my number one. Water's right there.
0: Yeah. I feel but. like more than exercise and nutrition and meditation, I feel like what it really is is consistency.
1: Yes, it's it's adherence. If you don't it, it, adhere to it, totally because
0: like your race car, you pick your analogy, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. the the five, like Alex yeah. calls them the five core functions of business. But like we don't spend enough time on the five core functions of us, right? Like sleep, water, nutrition, yeah. movement, self. Yes, like those are really like what they are. Yep, and in all of them, like self yeah. and me, maybe me avoiding feeling, right? And like they're and they're all parallel. And I feel like. I'm so stoked on, like, the last three days that we've spent together because, like, we we unlocked a lot for people, myself included. And really, though, when you really start to unlock it, it always comes back to the most simple things. And it's so, so, so. And by the way, we came up with some genius shit for your business.
1: Ah, yes, we did. I'm Yes, like <laughs> we did. So for those of you guys listening, George Bryant's mastermind <laughs> come to his in-person event It's okay if you hate the first two days, don't you dare leave. (laughs) Because the third one, (laughs) I was writing in my journal and I'm like, day one. Okay, I don't remember day one. Day two, I didn't like it, but there were these unveilings of absolute genius on day two. And then day three, because of the work of the first two days, Because of that work, that's when day three's amazing ideas came out. And I was in the hot seat, and I, I told everybody my dream for my gyms. And everybody was just throwing out ideas. And I believe it was Brad Costanza who mm-hmm. said, what if you did a workout? And we're doing this. This is why I'm talking about it. We're going to do it. You had a workout where you had guest speakers and maybe they rotate and everyone's working out and you have the speaker motivating you
0: mm-hmm. while
1: you're working out and it would be speed and then you said speaker fit yep and i said it's happening and i was just like <laughs> yep. jumping around and then you started playing like it was welcome to the jungle and I the did. rocky soundtrack I and, oh it was just so <laughs> just i i have yep i have the domain name we're we're going for it and uh but what was really cool about the last three days is I have built my perfect little world and I live Mm -hmm. in it and we were in an Airbnb and I had four other people who I had never met before. Mm -hmm. My, and we had three out of four nights, not enough sleep because of unforeseen things and we're eating out, you know, and it's snowing outside. So normally I just run down the street, no problem, get my workout in. And, uh, like, so I've, my routine's been rocked and it's been amazing because I've noticed that even when I don't have my standbys, the breath work, whenever you did yeah. the breath work, I would be back. Yep. I would come in and I, I don't ever have a bad attitude. No. Nope. Hardly. Like I, I, I'm really excited about just about everything all the time. I have some little bad attitudes and then you do the, luckily you'd start the thing with breath work or else that Yeah. I attitude.
0: determined when we do breath work based on your mood. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, Julie's looking a little colder than normal. I'm like, let's go breathe.
1: (laughs) Well, because I mean, maybe you can smell it. You can. But I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm the happy, super awesome one. But then I have triggers that Mm -hmm. when they're freaking triggered, like, let's just not. Yeah. Let's just not. Yeah,
0: no, I know. Let's just love it. it. Julie's like, don't tell me what to do. But I
1: think, yeah, I, I I might've said that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I've never had a job. You yeah, know, like don't, I've always oh, no. had my own thing and, my, we are and I've unemployable. my own trouble.
0: I've been fired. I think I've been fired from every job I've had. And like <laughs> if I couldn't get fired because they had a high tolerance, I would do something that made them fire me. Like I was like, it was like, yeah, even as a kid, like I would avoid social services and all the bullshit that was happening in my nasty nasty family situation and so i work at pizza places and i loved it right i loved it because i got to eat unlimited fat food i didn't have to pay for it and i was fat as a kid that's when my eating disorder started but i hated being told what to do and so i would talk back and i hated authority because i i had a parents that were really sick and obviously I talk about my family situation very differently now than I did back then because I have empathy but addicts and addictions and things like that so like it wasn't like rainbows and unicorns and uh so I was like don't tell me what to do like they tell me what to do and like that's where it's coming from I'm like yeah good luck trying to tell me what to do. so I'll be in office and like other employees the bosses I'm like f you I'll do it my way and boom but some of them had a high tolerance. And I will tell you, all the people, and I'm Nick, if you ever listen to my podcast, I love you. I'm still friends with these people that own these pizza shops, like 25 years later. And I made right on everything, but like they were Greek and they would like verbally abuse each other. So as this little snot nosed 15, 16 year old kid, I'd walk in and they just didn't care. They would just let me be a shit. And then they're like, work work and i would like be cussing them out while slicing tomatoes and making and i'm like f you and they're like they wouldn't fire me so i'm like fine i just start stealing money
1: oh my goodness
0: and i didn't have any i was poor right i couldn't yeah. steal so i started stealing money and he's like i caught you on camera stealing money And he fired me i gave him the money back i gave him the money back i didn't even use it i was like that's how bad it was that's how bad it was but then i'm like look i can get any job i was 15 i became an assistant manager at kb toys and then i was like these toys are cheap Like, this isn't cool. So I would just start discounting people's toys because I'm like, they shouldn't be paying this much. That's a return. Like, (laughs) I got fired from that job. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I'm joining the Marine Corps. If
1: anyone is listening right now and maybe you're listening to this podcast because, like, somehow you're like, oh, Julie's on it and I don't know who George is. The reason I'm in George's mastermind is because you are the most trustworthy mm-hmm. purse, internet man, <laughs> internet man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that story last night.
1: And, uh, and like now we know that we can trust you. Yeah. Like we just know it. And yeah. everybody that you bring in to the mastermind and to like, you know, like the trust yeah. is there. So just yeah. anybody listening, they, they need to know that part. Yeah. But, uh, up until 25, I was under the rule of other people. Yeah. So I was, like, married, weird, don't even want to talk about that. But um, when I hit 25, that's when the I'm, um, like, freedom. Mm-hmm. Just And that's, that's why I'm so freaking happy all the time is because I know what it's like to not totally. have freedom. To be under somebody's rule and to not get to make my own decisions. And totally. so now every day that I have a choice, I'm just so happy and so excited. But then when I feel like I didn't put – the things into play like someone else put the things into play and I don't exactly know what's about to happen mm-hmm. it's really hard for me yeah as I learned yeah the last few days
0: I was I was <laughs> I, I was like that till about three years ago and then I got really deep into this work like and this work being like I do deep men's work and breath work and si- like you want to really get into it do a silent retreat like that's when that's when you really like just challenging that and like, you know, things like that. But you know what I, I say that I joke about, you know, like that as a kid, because in how I grew up, there's always been this like thread of integrity that like I had it and like I couldn't even steal money to steal it. I just had to give it back. And like when they're like, are you discounting toys? I would tell them I'm like, yeah, because they're cheap. And the manager was like, I actually agree with you. But I ha- like, and it was like, I stood for principle and like what was there, but I will say like the gift of the military, there was, there's parts of it, like, and I'll just say it like when you come from like a happy home, you don't like, I'm going to go kill people, right? Like it's not an organization that's built on like full tanks and healthy childhoods, right? It's built on pain and damage that can be exploited and amplified to do something with. And that's not, um, I'm not for or against any of it. Like I did what I did. I love it. I did my deployments. I did all of it, um, But it also gave me a perspective uh, of discipline and, like, my ability and my strength. And, like, I realized, like, through all of it that I was just – and it's – I got to full circle this. Like, I would steal because they were too accepting of me, even being brash, and I couldn't push them away, which meant they liked me and accepted me, which means I would have had to feel normal Mm -hmm. and feel welcomed and feel loved. And it's like that feeling thing. It's the same thing. It was like everything. It was like I'm gonna punish myself because I'm afraid to just be and feel loved and do all of it. And it's it's really it's really interesting when you like unpack most entrepreneurs like what you find underneath them. But I I don't know. I just think it's a beautiful gift that we get to play this game. I really really do. And I'm so incredibly proud of you for like the three days and like everything. Like, but even even since the day that I met you. Like I loved our interview and I was like, your energy is amazing. And then I was like, and why are you wasting it on other people? (laughs) I was like, stop giving all of it away. Like stop wasting money. Like give it where it needs to go. But like what I love about you so much, Julie, is like you always, you, it's like you're an eternal optimist because you know what freedom is like now. And you're like, I'm never going to quit. I'm always gonna find a way and you care about people, you put your heart in front of everything, and you sit here and you joke about like, Oh, I lost a half a million dollars and I did la and like it's just a testament to like who you are. And I really wanna thank you, like publicly, like the last three days, like we had fifteen people in a room And we worked on our businesses, but it doesn't look like everybody always thinks it does. And, like, your willingness to play and your willingness to push and your willingness to grow and expand your range, it was just beautiful. And, like, because of how you showed up, it pulled me to show up differently and everybody else in the room and your excitement. And, by the way, I need everybody to picture this. I just kind of knew how to punch Julie's ticket. And there was this moment of, like, imagine – two and a half days, 12 hour days. And I was pretty light. We didn't have crazy work. We did like eight forty five in the morning till about 6 PM. And I've done 7 AM till 9 PM. Right. And so I was like, we had a really good group. It was small and intimate, but it arcs and my events arc and they're arced on purpose and they're designed like that. And then on day three, like Julie, like you can see her light bulb, like just full. And, like, it's going to explode. And, like, she's getting these moments and she's bouncing. And so I very secretly, when she's getting happy, I put Eye of the Tiger on and she can't (laughs) help it. Like, literally, it's like it programmed you and took over. She starts jumping, punching the air. And I was here for it. And then I even had to go to Guns N' Roses and Welcome to the Jungle. And I was like, that's (sighs) the next one. And I love it. Like everything that we came up with, like I'm stoked on the speaker fit, like everything you got, your gym, the marketing, I mean, everything it's going to crush.
1: Yeah. I I can't wait. And you know that that like day three, you kept telling me, Julie, day three is going to be amazing. And I trusted you. And it was, (laughs) it was amazing. And thank you for giving people what they need instead of what they want. Because it's like, if you, if you just give us what we want, then you're just taking our money. And giving us what we want. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be doing
0: what you told me to do, and I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of works out for both of us. Because I don't like it, so I do something different. You don't like it. You do something different, and we both end up winning.
1: I mean, and it's the same with what I do. Like, eventually they will get everything that they want. But I know Mm -hmm. that something restrictive or something like that doctor gave to me, like, the the results are just fleeting. Totally. Totally. And so, I mean, I've been in this business 16 years, so I know, and you've been in your business and you've been doing the work for so long. So you yeah. knew that those first two days were needed. So I, I'm thankful. And I'm also thankful that I could just be honest and just tell you in the middle of the mastermind, because I, I wasn't going to bring it up yeah. and I was avoiding eye contact with you. I, I wasn't going to make eye contact with you because I was like, I'm going to give George the message that if he doesn't want to hear, like, cause I'm not going to say something like super mm-hmm. positive right now. So mm-hmm. he needs to not call on me. Mm-hmm. Then George just fearlessly calls on me and is like, so what did you think of? that and I was like cool and I just said exactly you know like not I wasn't negative no but I just said and uh, and then we talked it through and it was amazing and then it turned my experience into like something amazing because I was able to talk about it and
0: I loved it like I truly love your authenticity and I was here for it like I was here for it
1: it was great and nothing was too bad it was just I get excited about business I love talking business I want to do business and clarity has to come first and George knows how to get the clarity first. And it's not, it's not in, in the way that you would expect, but it works. It It absolutely works.
0: Somehow it all, it all works. And all of our stories and all of our past like leads Mm -hmm. to these moments on both sides. And it was amazing. I'm going to rapid fire you.
1: Yeah, sure. And by the way, thank you for bringing all the brilliant minds in the room. Of course. That was, that's the, I think that's one of the coolest things about you is that you bring brilliant minds together. Yeah. That's so fun. It's my favorite part. Yeah. I get to hang out with so my friends. Fun. Yeah. So fun. I was
0: like, I was like, Lindsay's like, who's coming? Like all my friends. And then like, they're texting me this morning. Uh-huh. Like All of them texting me this morning. They're like, I am so full. Can we do another day? Like, how do I get back? I'm like, join yeah. the mastermind.
1: Yeah. And they're like, yeah. okay, okay, okay. I'll be there. I'm like, yeah. you're welcome at every one of them. Every yeah.
0: one of them. And it, it really is. It really is a, a beautiful thing to intentionally create a container with people like you. Because all of us come. Like, everybody has to be willing to play. Yeah. And when you come. Not even like willing to win or like give it your all, but just willing to be open and be like, let's try it. When everybody brings that energy and you set an intention together, there's no way it ends bad. It's when there's always an ulterior motive or an agenda or a manipulation or like, oh, like if you saw the schedule I made versus the schedule (laughs) you got, you'd be like whoa <laughs> two different events like years apart and I was like because I had to go through them like this is what I think this is my intention this is what I want them to get how I want them to get there and then I don't know maybe 20% of it happened and the rest of it was like intuitive and based on your guys's feedback and everything and I feel like we all co-created yeah the result and yeah. i just feel like that's like such a cool cool thing and i feel like that's what you do with your clients too. Oh yeah. And i like i'd love that like oh, yeah. we have so many similarities and just different outlets that we put them on, but i love it. I love the speakeasy. I love that you stand for all of their possibility and like all of their work, not like go beat your butt in the dirt. No, eat good, sleep, no. self-care, positivity, like yeah. all of it. It's it's so powerful.
1: Yeah, I I freaking love my clients. I always have. I know you have. Oh, uh, they're rhinos. They're my family. People always ask me, "Aren't you going to have kids?" And I'm like, "I have 600 rhinos." I have 600 rhinos.
0: <laughs> so just before I even forget, can you tell everybody like the names of your gyms in Vegas? <laughs>
1: yes, yes. So I have a uh, two Camp Rhino gyms, and those are just awesome. Like they're just they're they're these gyms where you come in and on the walls are written like no negativity no bullying no egos like mm-hmm. you just come in and you're loved and and mm-hmm. we have amazing workouts we have rhino fit which are more strength and then we have the boot camp workouts yeah. boot camp we we are we are, we are the, towing the your
0: truck through a, a flash flood towing your truck through a flash flood <laughs> yeah.
1: now it's more you know towing sleds and nice air conditioning with <laughs> turf but whatever <laughs> <laughs> and then i have the ninja warrior gym my rhino ninja gym And I have two uh, amazing ninjas running that. And we have the little, we have a little gym next door for five to seven year olds with all miniature, miniature little warped wall, miniature little. (laughs) Branson
0: will be there next year. And then
1: I have eight to 13 year olds and then uh, 13 and over. And, you know, a a topic for another day is Ninja Warrior is a sport that makes everybody just feel super powerful. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like little girls, like they can be in this sport that they're not judged on their, you know, uh, bodies and and little leotards and things like that. Like they're. They're, 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 they're celebrated, their strength is celebrated. Totally. And it, it's an individual sport, but it's actually a team sport because you're on a team and everyone on your team is rallying around you as you're in the spotlight yep. and everyone's yelling, like, beat that wall. Like, it's yep. just, it's so, such a powerful thing. And I'm, I think Ninja Warrior is the one thing that can beat out video games if you yep. have kids that are playing video games and you want them to be more active. My mom always said that video games kept her kids out of the streets and so she loved it and you know we're in Vegas in the bad part of town and and so it was great that my brothers were doing that instead of other things yeah um but ninja warrior like you know look in your town if you're not in Vegas and and find one because kids that aren't interested in sports they usually really get into ninja warrior yeah
0: my son there we go that was interesting well, Did that, it save that, the rest of it. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> uh, so we're in Montana, and uh, <laughs> I live here, and uh, we just had like a rolling power outage, and uh, Julie and I just brought the heat and took the power out. That's right. I love Rock it. Managed. So what I was what I was gonna say is uh, before the power, out, and luckily we lose. I lost the feedback, and I was like, oh, we're not here anymore. <laughs> I'm here for it. But I was gonna say, like, you talk about like these ninja gyms. My son, who you met last night, um, he's four, and he is extremely extremely high energy like like my mom like my wife like me like don't tell me to sit in circle time like I got too much to get out and our little hack for him is ninja gymnastics every week and he loves it and it it took some time for him to realize like how to direct his energy but like my four-year-old's doing pull-ups like not like assisted like my four-year-old is legitimately like doing pull-ups and I walk in the other day and I'm doing like hollow rocks and I'm like and they, like, kind of trick them because they don't get the body position. So they put, like, a pole in their hand above head. And I'm like, oh, you guys are good. I'm like, my kid's going to be, like, a jacked Olympian, at, like, eight, But he loves it. He has so much energy. It's so much expression. It's it's kind of awesome. And so, like, I'm totally here for that, too. And I thank you for doing that. Like, I love, like, I can't wait to bring him to Vegas and let him play in the gym. And I, Daddy secretly loves, you know, doing backflips. And, you know, like, I, my physical therapist, like, so what's your end goal? I'm like, to be able to do a standing back tuck when I'm 80. And he's like, I don't think anybody's ever said that. I'm like, I want to walk on my hands. I want to do a standing back tuck. I was like, I want to be the grandpa that can climb higher in the tree, bounce more. I can still, at this day, still do double backs on the trampoline, and I can still play those games. And I was like, I just want to play. Like, that's my version of fitness now. It's like just being able to play. Play with my kids. Play with my grandkids. And thank you for creating a space that you can do that. I'm going to rapid fire you now. Yeah. Ready?
1: I I was just going to say most of my clients, that's what they want is they want to just – have longevity they yeah, want their brains totally. to work so they can have clarity for their business and I yeah my it.
0: body hurts enough from all the torture yeah. for all the years like yeah i like literally everyone's like yeah. oh you didn't invite i like yeah this morning i went to the chiropractor i went to physical therapy then i saw a second chiropractor and a second <laughs> physical therapist in one day yes and i'm like yeah so there's some there's some uh there's some residuals <laughs> yes. from those yes. three mile burpee broad jumps in the middle of afghanistan oh, yeah. All right, oh, yeah. so I want to know, what is your all-time favorite food? And I can't wait to hear bread. this one. Bread? Like yeah. what? It, like King's Hawaiian yeah. rolls?
1: No, uh, like fresh baked bread mm. out of the oven.
0: There's a picture of me at four with a King's Hawaiian roll in my mouth and one of my hand laying in bed shirtless.
1: Although those are great. And those I was a delicious.
0: chunky little boy. My wife saw that picture after marriage. She's like, makes sense now. <laughs> makes sense now. Yes. And I was like, yep, I'm here for it. Bread. <laughs> You know what? I gotta I gotta give a shout out. Uh, my buddy Clay Hebert, uh Angie Lee's boyfriend, uh, brilliant marketer, and then uh, my buddy Jeff, who's the COO of Soul CBD. They're both addicted to making their own sourdough, Ooh. and so they make it and then they ship it to me in Montana. Oh! And so like they baked me a fresh jalapeno cheddar sourdough loaf and put it in the mail the same day. I'm here for that.
1: Oh, that's amazing. That
0: is heavenly. That is heavenly. Oh. All right, mountains or beach? Mountains. Mm.
1: I love beach too. Yeah. But at mountains I feel like I could look at the mountains forever. Me too. And so the ocean, I don't know. I, I don't like, like I
0: don't like I don't like I don't like ocean sand on my feet. Oh. But I'm okay with I like I like,
1: like hearing it outside of the window though. Totally.
0: I'm I'm yeah. the same way. I'm yeah. like. I'm a mountain guy. Well, hence why I live in the yeah. mountains in Montana. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Favorite ever book.
1: No don't have a favorite ever um i have 10 that i'm top in right now oh
0: oh you're like that
1: and i like so that's my new addiction right now yeah you can ask my brother and my boyfriend i have so many books coming
0: yeah all the time okay
1: you know i always trade one addiction for another what's a
0: what's a what's a big takeaway that you've gotten from a book like one that's stuck with you
1: it just depends on what season i'm in
0: yeah today's
1: that that little book of clarity oh that's a good one that was pretty impactful.
0: I'm shocked on how big of an impact that book had on my life.
1: Yeah, that was. But uh, but Mike McCallowitz. Oh yeah. Um, Profit first, that like pretty much saved my business. Yeah. So you have to give credit where credit's. Totally. Due I. On that. Mike
0: deserves credit for basically making yeah. hundreds of thousands of successful entrepreneurs. And Mike's all of Mike's books: Pumpkin Plan, Clockwork, yeah. Fix This Next, Profit First, and I'm missing one. Uh, but they're all absolutely amazing. He's
1: authentic with sharing his story. That's, that's, I know. that's I love, how profit first grabbed me when he was talking I love about it. his struggles in business. I was like, this is a guy who can actually help me because all this high level financial,
0: yeah, you know,
1: advice that you, you get from people when, when you're in debt and you don't know how you're going to make payroll, it's not very helpful.
0: No, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I love his like human approach and like he's so yeah. down to earth and, um, I was going to
1: ha- I went and won two brain gym of the year for revenue after reading Profit First. Mm. I got I pulled myself out of debt. That was when I did the nutrition thing. Yep. And went and yeah, won won that award. That like that's a, it's a wow. giant swing. Yeah. Like, we're not just talking about making an extra couple thousand dollars. We're, no. we're talking about
0: that's six figures, multiple y- six. Getting figures. Seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna have Mike on the show. Uh, <gasps> Mike is so busy now, he will only commit to fifteen minute shows.
1: That's okay. He'll and come I, back.
0: And I was like, hey Mike. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Right now, And I was like, but I'm going to annoy you and I'm going to annoy you for a long time and I'm going to get you on the show for a full 90 minutes.
1: You should get him on for 15 and he's going to want to come back.
0: No, I know. I, I, I got him. He, um, his team, his team's absolutely amazing. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, I, uh, he's great. Actually, one of his like number twos is a really good friend of mine. I'm going to have him come on and talk about Fix This Next because I love that book. Oh, yeah. It's such a good one. Yeah. If you, what's your like all time favorite exercise? Like, mine is, mine is ring muscle-ups.
1: Oh, yeah. I really like handstand walks. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I like them when I'm proficient at them, but when I'm out of practice, I don't like them as much because I feel like a rookie.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not good at them right now. I tried out on the tried grass yesterday, and I was like, okay, I uh, that wasn't. But I like them because they're fun and they're playful. They do.
0: I do. And Yeah. yeah. I was like, I always feel like Superman every time I'm like solid and horrible. Like, I mean, I used to to practice handstands religiously and I'll remember like my first 60 second hold. I was like, I'm going to take over the world. I can stand on my hands for 60 seconds. I'm taking over the world. It's really interesting. Yeah. I love it. What
1: was your favorite again?
0: Uh, Ring muscle ups.
1: Ring muscle ups. Yeah, those because it's like you're flying. Yeah. So actually swinging across the rings in Ninja Warrior, a giant set of rings. Yeah. That that has to.
0: Yeah, I feel like anything that like makes me feel like a monkey.
1: Yeah, anything where you're flying. Playful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Or busting down a trail when I'm in good shape. though. That's the thing. Yeah. Trail running. Like when I'm not in good shape. (laughs) It's not yeah, as it doesn't fun. feel good.
0: Now during the pandemic, we were living up in our mountain house in yeah. Mammoth at nine thousand feet, and I went quote unquote trail running um, after about a year of not running, and I, I feel like I was trail falling with gravity yeah. down, and every every step was painful. <laughs> Yes. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go walk. I'm just yeah. gonna walk. I'll enjoy yeah. the scenery. Yeah. You said that the other day, you're like, Oh, I feel like downhill or mountain biking's better, you can see much more scenery. I'm like, No, I appreciate the same scenery as long as I'm walking. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Take it easy. All right. Um, best place for people to find you. Find out more about you.
1: Oh yeah, I'm Rhino Julie. Rhino Julie. Everywhere.
0: You are Rhino Julie. And just so everybody Rhino knows, like I really everywhere. Like oh. I made her name Placard say Rhino Julie. Everything yeah. in our system is Rhino Julie. She yeah. is she is Rhino Julie.
1: I respond to Rhino.
0: Rhino. Uh, that's yep. what I respond. We call to. her Rhino.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, rhinojulie.com. But really Rhino Julie anywhere and reach out to me. I have some cool things coming up. And I love people who really love food. Yes, you do. And they're positive and like entrepreneurs. Ah, my heart just like I, I love putting groups together for for those people. So. Was
0: dinner good last night?
1: Oh, it was so good. It was so
0: good. What'd yes. you get?
1: Yes, I had the carne asada. And I asked for the flour tortillas because they were homemade. If they're yeah. homemade, I'll do the flour instead of the corn. Smart. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that looked really good.
1: Yeah, it was delicious. I'm
0: going to eat those leftovers for and, dinner tonight. And uh,
1: they listed the desserts, and... <sighs> I was like, man, I want a bite of each of those is what I was thinking. and uh, <laughs> But I wasn't going to say anything because usually I don't have dessert, you know, uh-huh. like especially if I have flour tortillas. But yep. then George said we'll have three of each. And yep. I was just <laughs> so happy. I was like, what the, What a great end to a great day. I
0: was like, yeah, like let's just eliminate yeah. choice. Let's yeah. just bring them all out. Yeah. And they were all – I was all here good. for all of them. They were good. They were good, the flavors. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, my favorite last question. So right in this moment, you have the ability to tattoo everybody's soul who's listening. You get to tattoo one message on their soul that they're going to take with them for the rest of their life, rest of eternity. It's the only thing that they're going to take away from this podcast is what you say to them. What would you tattoo on everybody's soul?
1: And when you take care of yourself, all of a sudden you have this love for yourself that expands to a love for humanity unlike anything you have ever felt. And it, it's this energy that just courses through you, and it's easier than you think. It's so much easier than you think. It's just, it's just one, one thing done consistently, drinking more water, eating more vegetables, moving for a minute a day. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be an hour. And, and those, those consistent behaviors add up. And then all of a sudden you start doing more and more to make yourself feel better and better. And then all of a sudden like you have a clarity to run your business. You, you, you want to just love on people. You're not irritated by people anymore. Yep. It's, it's just the most incredible feeling in the world. And I didn't feel that feeling until 2015, 11 years into running my business because I mm. still hadn't taken care of myself. And then you add the meditation. Ugh. And it's just all amplified. It's I just love it. Peaceful. There's no, there's no end game right now, other than just being right here in this moment. And it's just peace, and it's just happiness, and love, and joy, and yeah. And you guys can do it. It's closer than you think. It's easier than you think. Yeah. Let me know if you need help.
0: I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for and being rhino here. And rhino tough. And rhino tough. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And it's all about rhino. So <laughs> thank you for being here. Uh, for everybody listening, this has been another episode of the mind of George show where I believe it belongs in a straight jacket. So I just give it to you in doses that you can take. And that's why we call it the mind of George show. So uh, remember the relationships will always be at algorithms and I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. but either way it's time to cue the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car on your run or in front of the television.